Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James and this is the 92 podcast. Each episode will shine the spotlight on one of the 92 teams that make up the top four leagues in English league football, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. This time, we focus on a team who've won their opening four league games for the first time since 1927, which puts them top of the championship. But there was a chance that he may be our manager one day. It was it was almost at that level. And there's probably people listening who are British City fans saying I'm talking absolute tripe. But he was actually clapped off by people rather than booed off. Come the end of the season, the aim surely still has to just be trying to, to get into the playoffs because um, City fans have had to wait since the 2008 campaign, 2007, 2008. The last time we were, were in there in the playoffs and we went to Wembley and had our hearts broken by Hull City and Dean Windass. Anything could happen. Anything could happen this season in terms of uh, who will win the league, who will win the, the championship. And it might just it might just work out all right for us. Who knows? <laughs> That's right, the spotlight is on Bristol City for this episode. And as with the other episodes with Barra, Doncaster and Aston Villa, I only know the basics about Bristol City. So to help me, I'm joined by Patch Warner, who's the host of the Bristol podcast, Free Peeps in a Podcast. Plus we'll hear from Toby Osborne, lead commentator for Robins TV, throughout the episode as well. Hello Patch, welcome to the 92 podcast. Hi James, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Have you been a Bristol City fan all your life? Yeah, um, I'm in my 40th year uh, as a human being now, and I think about <laughs> 35 of those have been spent, I'd say at Ashton Gate, I haven't been down there much obviously in the last few months, but um, yeah, no, 35 years I think I've racked up now as a, as a Bristol City fan. So you've obviously seen a lot of highs and lows then? Yeah, we've been consistently average, I'd say, um, over that period of time. Uh, we we were in the top flight in the late 70s, which obviously I didn't see being born in 1981. But I, we have had definitely had some some highs, uh, some notable highs getting into the playoff final in the championship um, back into 2008, where we were beaten by a, a solitary Dean Windass goal on probably our worst performance of the season. I think we, we, we did choke a little bit. Um, obviously, a few years ago, beating Man United at Ashton Gate to send us into the semi-finals of the of the Carabao Cup, beating Liverpool at Anfield, are, are sort of three three notable ones there. But uh, yeah, we've we've always been in sort of the Championship or League One or actually League Two as well in my in my tenure. We're I think we're the biggest the biggest city in population terms that hasn't actually been in the Premier League. So, uh, but as you say, things are going well at the moment. There's every chance this year, but uh, I've said that a few times in the past. How did you come to be supporting Bristol City rather than your neighbours, Bristol Rovers? Oh, you can't say those words. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, my dad was actually, I don't know if you you know Bristol at all, but they're sort of south of the river and north of the river. And uh, my dad's from south of the river um, in Bedminster. And uh, that's basically, yeah, that was, it was quite near to the ground, um, living in Bedminster. It's more or less in Bedminster, Ashton Gate. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's due to my dad. I think his dad took him down when he was a boy and it's just sort of carried on from there. And I've got I've got my own boy now as well, but we're a few years off. He's only, only almost three. So uh, we're a few years off of that. So um, yeah, looking forward to continuing that down the, down the chain. So what's the relationship like with the other Bristol team? It's okay. We're 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 um we're separated by currently 
or one whole league. Um, I think they're 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 down the bottom of League One at the moment. When so when I was in school, um, sort of age, you know, sort of t- uh, ten to ten to sixteen, really in secondary school, we were actually quite close together, and we had a, a number of a number of local derbies during that time. And I just feel really sorry for sort of the, the, the teenagers of today not having those local derbies. It was, you know, you'd go into school on a on a Monday morning, and obviously there was if if we won, then we would tell the Rovers fans all about it, and and vice versa. But you know, we played in the same football teams, we we work in the same place, Bristol City and Bristol Rovers fans, and that that rivalry has has diminished a little bit over the years by the fact that we haven't been in the same leagues for I think it's like eighteen years, nineteen twenty years now. Um, so you know. It, we there's there is a rivalry, but it's a, it's a reduced rivalry now, which which I think is a bit of a shame. So you mentioned that the rivalry is diminished there. Like, so is there any other clubs that you would consider to be rivals instead of them now? Well, I guess the other local ones you've got are Cardiff and Swindon. Mainly, I think over the last few years, certainly it's been Cardiff has been the, the closest rivalry because we've been in the same league. So we've had a, a few notable rowdy games against uh, against Cardiff um, and actually we've, we've come out on top the last few we beat them last year for sure with Josh Brownhill getting a great a great goal um, at Cardiff and I, I can remember us beating Cardiff at Ashton Gate quite a bit as well in recent years so that's probably the, the, the sort of the closest rivalry at the moment I'd say is, is Cardiff City so um, your home matches are played at Ashton Gate. It's been a while since fans have obviously been in attendance at matches. But mm. what is the atmosphere usually like on a match day? It's an interesting question. So the last game I went to was in March. We played Fulham at home and we were celebrating 125 years of the club. The club was actually formed in 1894 and we were originally called Bristol South End. We didn't change our, our, our name to Bristol City until um, 1897. So it was a 125-year celebration and we had loads of ex-players down there. I, I managed to get into hospitality that day and we had lots of lots of ex players milling around as well as um as well as the the, the chaps from this country don't know if you're a fan of that but uh, it was good to good to meet those guys but yeah that that day the atmosphere was fantastic absolutely buzzing it was almost as if people knew they weren't going to be going for a while but yeah that was a great atmosphere but we uh, we have struggled on occasion as a home as a home fan base to keep the momentum going in in the singing and the atmosphere so, yeah, often if you get a big away following down there, like Leeds, for example, um, when they when they came down last few seasons, the the atmosphere in the, the away end has been fantastic, and I think we we've got a section in the corner, section section twenty seven or section eighty two, as they as they're referred to, which is the singing section, and we. Yeah. That that side of the that corner of the ground is always buzzing. There's all there's always singing, win, lose or draw. They're absolutely fantastic. So we just need to spread that around a little bit. <laughs> I put a suggestion forward that they should all sort of break up into four equal parts and spread themselves around <laughs> the ground, because it's like anything. You know, as soon as one person starts doing it, that sort of happiness spreads and the singing spreads it's like being part of a crowd affects your behavior that sort of mentality but sometimes it can be quite quiet but yeah it's such a we've got I don't know if you've been down but we've got an amazing stadium now it's it's a stadium fit for fit for the Premier League 
and we just need to work on on that atmosphere a bit in my opinion when we're when we're winning and, and doing well you know like at the moment four wins four wins in the league out of four i i would imagine the next game if we went down and, and we're allowed to go into the ground the atmosphere would be would be electric so yeah it's an interesting question it's um it's it's one that's not consistent i'd say so is there anything else that the club can do? Obviously, you mentioned the loud people spreading off into four different <laughs> sections, but is there anything that the club themselves could do to make the atmosphere a little bit better, do you reckon? I don't know, really. I mean, they, we've got the big sort of Titantron screens in each of the corners now um, for yeah. for the goals and advertising and all that sort of stuff. In years gone by, when we had like a much smaller scoreboard, they would sort of put songs up on the on the on the screens to sort of initiate the singing almost that seems that seemed to work quite well you know like come on you reds and that sort of thing so i think um i think that might be something that they could possibly do but it shouldn't we shouldn't need to really it should be organic it should be um the fans should just get behind the team and uh and get get the singing going but yeah i think it is definitely one where it's drawn on the performance on the pitch um it's one of those sort of catch 22 situations isn't it you you want to cheer the cheer the players on to to get the performance but they probably it's it's it works the other way as well we need we need the players to be showing us some grit and determination to get the fans going so yeah it's it, it's one that uh, i think should be organic i don't think there's really much much they can do really i mean it's interesting at the moment with this you know stock crowd noise that they're using on on tv yeah. whether whether they could play a little bit of that and, and the undertones to, to to get things going or not i don't know but um yeah it shouldn't be it shouldn't be needed really do you think it'll be that much of a problem obviously once we've got back into stadiums and stuff i think there'll be more of an atmosphere really won't there because we've been deprived of it for so long absolutely yeah we, we we really have taken it for granted haven't we going to football matches i've been going to a lot of non-league games with um a friend of mine who does ground hopping adam thurston he's probably someone you want to have a chat to uh he's yeah. he's on doing the 92 and now he's sort of doing the 292 with all the other all the non-league ranks. <laughs> but yeah it's um it's an interesting one it's uh it's something that yeah we we have really taken for granted and I think if we were to go back in there next week, particularly with how well we're doing on the pitch, you know, everyone would be buzzing and it, it would be it'd probably be the loudest you'd ever heard us sing, I, I expect. <laughs> so how are you coping without being able to physically go see Bristol City play? Not very well. It's become a part of my life, really, for the last, as I say, 35 years. And since, you know, I started travelling to away matches as well, probably... Sort of ten years ago, it just became obviously part of your life, really. And I really struggled the first, you know, the first the last few games of the of last season, not being able to go to the game. But saying that, you know, we've got to be sensible and put health first and everyone else's health first. So we've got Robin's TV, which, as you said, Toby Osborne is the head commentator on that, and they they do a great job in in building up the game throughout the week and you know the commentary we get ex-players on there as well and, and current staff um, notably Brian Tinian in recent weeks and Rene Gilmartin who's the, the goalkeeping uh, you know, coach slash player so um, yeah it, I'd say that it's sort of you know as good as it can get really without actually going to the game I mean I'm hoping beyond hope that we can 
start to get some people into the into the stadiums if we if this petition is successful to to start trialing it um safely because they're doing it in other countries aren't they you know i think yeah. germany germany notably the other day i saw had uh, a thousand or two thousand fans in there and they're all separated out and things like that so yeah it, it, it's it's become more of a a, a three till two half two till five event than a than a, a than a mid <laughs> than a midday till six event which uh you know sometimes we just need that blowout i don't know about yourself but i've got two two children and you know i i am it's great that i'm spending more time with them but equally you know we we also need a bit of our own time as well so it's just um, an escape really isn't it it massively is an escape and you know i've I've been going down with it with a friend now for the sort of past five years just the two of us because i used to go with my family when when we weren't playing well towards the end of last season and season's gone by and and the football hasn't wasn't great you know he was sort of saying oh, i don't know if i can be bothered anymore i don't know if i want to come because it's the same stuff that we're churning out every week on week and the performances weren't great and we were just nicking a win or, or losing and i said look even if we were playing terrible football and we were in um you know the the, the hellenic league or whatever league you want to say i would still come down because it's the day that i look forward to win lose or draw so um so yeah no i would definitely still be going so as mentioned at the start of the episode, I did speak to Toby Osborne. He's the lead commentator for Robin Stevie, and I started by asking him how he thinks the season's gone so far. It's been a brilliant season so far. Um, of course, we're now headed up by our, our new head coach, Dean Holden, formerly uh, the assistant to Lee Johnson prior to his departure towards the end of last season. Uh, and it's uh, been a start to the season that nobody really expected. Well, certainly the fan base didn't expect He's brought a new lease of life into the team, newfound confidence, uh, newfound excitement and love for playing football as well, which is pretty clear to see from uh, some of the players that looked uh, were starting to look a bit forlorn under Lee Johnson. Um, they've been revitalised, really. Uh, he's flanked by two pretty experienced coaches in Keith Downing and Paul Simpson, who, again, have kind of hit the ground running with the squad. They've obviously got links to uh, the England setup and the England youth system, guiding them to, to various different tournaments over the years. They have good, strong relationships with the likes of Casey Palmer, Jada Silva, and Stephen Sessignon, who Bristol City have brought in on loan from Fulham. And by and large, the start of the season has been massively helped by the signings that were made in the summer as well. Alfie Mawson has come in from Fulham on loan as well as Stephen Sessignon straight into the starting eleven, and is now captaining the side following the injury to our centre-half Thomas Callas. Mawson has hit the ground running, a real calming presence at the back, uh, brilliant with the ball at his feet. His distribution from the back is superb and more than any of us really expected and it kind of surprises a lot of City fans as to why he's now uh, no longer with Fulham. He was tipped I think by some to actually go to the um, 2018 World Cup when Gareth Southgate was picking his squad uh, prior to that tournament. It's been brilliant, a real um, star for City so far. Of course we opened up the campaign with a a decent win over Coventry who are really good and then followed up with wins over uh, Stoke, Sheffield Wednesday uh, and more recently, Nottingham Forest, which led to Sabri Lamucci's sacking for them. Um, we've also brought in Chris Martin, whose contract expired with Derby County in the summer. And his, I think a, a few City fans were unsure as to what his kind of intentions were as a player. He obviously turned down a new contract with Derby County during the summer. Uh, but he's coming straight in and his hold-up play is 
immense. He's not the quickest over the ground, as many people listening to this will be aware. But his hold-up play, his vision and his finishing is superb. Four assists already this season. And he's already starting to form a pretty strong partnership with the preferred front two uh, alongside Naki Wells. He's keeping Jeju out of the side. Jeju was our top scorer last season. We kind of have this quartet up front now of Naki Wells, uh, Chris Martin and then Jeju and our young forward Antoine Semenyo who was recently linked with Chelsea to come off the bench so our attacking talent is has been brilliant and something that was criticized under former manager Lee Johnson and then second to that we've obviously we've we've bought we've got so many central midfield options creative options from midfield Jamie Patterson who did go out on loan during some part of last season to Derby County is a changed man under Dean Holden and we'll hear a little bit more from Toby towards the end of the episode. So, Patch, coming back to you, you've already mentioned some of your highlights of supporting Bristol City, but is there any like specific ones that come to mind? Yeah, I'd say for me, it's it was the the double winning season back in uh, I think it was twenty. I, I lose track of time, but I think it was like 2016, 2016-17 season with Steve Cottrell as manager. When we won the double, we won the we won League One and we won the um, whatever it was called at the time, the uh, Freight Rover Trophy. I was referred to it. No, it was the Auto Windscreen Shield. What was what's it called at the moment? The Johnston's Paint Trophy. That's it. I think it was the Johnston's. I think it was the Johnston's Paint. So we 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 won that and and I've just got promotion and and the the team that we had was absolutely awesome. You know, we had Aidan Flint. At the back, who was who probably was one of our top goal scorers, if not our top goal scorer that season. He got a hat trick in the final game when we beat Warsaw eight two. You know, it's lots of memorable performances, and obviously a, a trip to Wembley to boot the you know the, with that victory. So uh, yeah, the double winning season that that was whilst the ground was being redeveloped. So we didn't we only had sort of three sides of the ground as well at that point which which regardless of that fact the atmosphere was still fantastic and i'll never forget the the final game when we were when we were lifting the trophy playing we are the champions i was sort of sat with my mum and dad and, and my brother and uh yeah it's just something that you that you don't you won't ever forget so uh, that's that's probably the the highest point for me personally so from the highest of the high to the lowest of the lows, what are some of the worst experiences you've had as a Bristol City fan? Um, sticking in my mind is probably as a game at Ashton Gate where we got beat five or six nil at home by Cardiff. Um, as I said earlier, there is a bit of a local rivalry there. And we were, I think we were about four or five nil down in the first half. And people started to sort of walk out. I, I've never walked out early um, of a football match, uh, a Bristol City match, I should say. And that's the closest I've got to doing it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're there for the high highs and the low lows. So, um, yeah, that was definitely one. And there was one that which uh, which I wasn't at the game, but I think it was, at, it was again, Cardiff or Swansea, probably Swansea, where Brian Tinian, a Bristol City legend who took over from being a player to being manager, he was manager when we lost, I think it was six or seven at at one of those clubs, Swansea, I think it was. And to see him sort of sat in the dugout, completely bereft of, of ideas and wondering what he was going to sort of do next, that sort of thing, that was pretty hard to take because then he sort of drifted away from the club and sort of moved abroad and we never really had a chance to say goodbye. But 
luckily he's now back down with us and been back back down with us for quite some time now as a as a he's a loans manager at the moment looking after all the players that are going out on loan and things like that so we've got that chance to sort of see him more often now but uh, that was quite upsetting so of the players over the years who've done the bristol city shirt who are some of your favorites well mentioning there brian tinian you know he was he he's been there for for so long um that you know he was there throughout my sort of late teens early 20s and a player that had everything really and he had 551 appearances 42 goals i've just got the the, the 125 years program in front of me so it's just i'm not i'm not a stato i didn't know those off the top of my head but yeah he he came to us from newcastle and when he was where he was playing with people like Paul Gascoigne and and and, and, yeah. and that, so um, yeah, he he is a player who who had everything—a magic left foot, could play sort of left midfield, centre midfield. I remember he won the instance where we were hanging on to a to a, a, a victory, and um, he was literally throwing himself head first into, into tackles and blocking <laughs> blocking the ball and, and, and things like that, but. Other than him, Scott Murray, who is currently kit man down there, has, has been a, a Bristol City. If, if people, if you ask people in Bristol who who is the Bristol City legend, that they would probably mostly say Scott Murray. Um, yeah. And as the flying Scotsman, he was a goal scoring machine for for a number of seasons, really. And I'm actually fortunate enough to, to now play in the same five a side team as him. One of my best friends uh, was Bristol City captain in the early two two thousands. Uh, went to sort of yeah. primary school with him. He's actually forty today, so happy fortieth birthday, Joe Burnell. And now he plays in the five same five a side team as us. And obviously, he was playing with Scott Murray in in his heyday, should we say? So uh, yeah, he's, he drafted him into our five a side team sort of five or six years ago, and he's he's still playing now. So. Uh, it's quite it's quite strange sometimes when uh, I sort of look up and pass to Scott Murray, a Bristol City <laughs> legend, and Lewis Carey is another one to, to note as well. An actual, he's our record appearance holder. But in my earlier years as well, I just wouldn't you know would like to mention we're a club that's that's always had wingers up until recently, where we've gone sort of three five two or five three two, however you want to look at it, and that is one of the reasons why we've lost Nick Eliasson. He can't get into. He couldn't get into our team the last sort of uh, you know, this season and towards the end of last season because we went to this to this uh, sort of three centre backs and two wing backs approach. So now he's moved on. But yeah, we've always had wingers. And when I was growing up, it was people like Alan Walsh, um, Dave Smith, Greg Goodridge, Junior Bent. I could. The list goes on and on of of our of our wingers. So yeah, we. We've had so many good players. We've had um, Andy Cole, who was with us for probably only a season and a bit uh, when he signed for us from Arsenal and then went off to, to Newcastle. So notably him, there's there's been there's been so many. Tammy Abraham came down and had a great season for us a few years ago. A number. They, I could go on for days. So are there any players that you didn't particularly like or you were glad to see the back of? Blimey, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um... I, I'm I'm not someone who's got a lot of uh, of hate. I'll give anyone a chance, and even the players that have come down that haven't had the level of skill that we've come to expect, they almost become like fans' favourites for trying. Um, yeah. one one notable one is Bass Savage. I don't know if you remember, but um, he was actually through on goal and to get his first goal for Bristol City, and literally fell over his own feet. 
And he became, he, he, he was on Soccer AM, uh, you know, they picked up on it on Soccer AM and he took it so well. But even, you know, people like him, they, they're almost like cult heroes. Is there any players that have played for Bristol City in the past that you think would still be able to get into the side today? Well, obviously Tammy Abraham's probably won, even though he's been a naughty boy in recent in recent weeks. Oh. But yeah, no, he, he would obviously get into the team. And, we, and we've lost... One that one that probably is the most high profile one at the moment is uh, Luke Aylin, uh right back for Leeds. We lost him. Uh, I don't know whether it was a, a falling out with the manager or what, but we 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 lost him to Leeds, and uh, yeah, he would definitely you know be knocking on the door to get into our our team at the moment. You know, and uh, on on occasions, I'm sure Scott Murray would 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 come on for the last five minutes and still do a job. so what about managers then we'll talk about the current manager in a little while but who are Mm. some of the managers you've loved and some you really were not keen on um not keen on i can so this is this is an easier one than than the players (laughs) so we we've had we've had uh, a fair few managers in in my time notably in recent times sean o'driscoll i just never really took to him to be honest. He was someone who wasn't very empathetic in interviews, didn't seem to come across very well. We rarely got you know, what I would consider as attractive football from him. Um, so there's there's one. Obviously, uh, a highlight would be uh, Steve Cottrell and also Gary Johnson. So Gary Johnson got us to the playoff final um, against Hull that I spoke about earlier. And Steve Cottrell had the we had the double winning season um, and under him, and when we went up to the championship, it, it was just you know the results didn't go his way for the first sort of couple of months, and 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 he was he was changed. So um, so yeah, the, the, notably Gary Johnson and um, and Steve Cottrell. Just before that, we had Danny Wilson, who was manager when Joe was was down there and. And uh, he, we had a few successes un, under him, um, and a few lost playoff finals in League One. So yeah, there's 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 a couple couple there of note. Just before that, sorry, Joe Jordan was manager when I was sort of growing up a couple of times actually. He was player manager first of all, and then and then went away and sort of came back uh, as manager. But yeah, we we've we've had some we've had some pretty decent managers. We've also had a couple of flops. We had a Swedish guy called Benny Benny Lennartsson who was made mostly famous for, for, for wearing a baseball cap and throwing it into the air when we scored. That's about as much as I, as I care to remember about his tenure, to be honest. But no, we've, we've had some good ones. And obviously a, a big mention to Lee Johnson uh, uh, as well, who um, got sacked earlier this year. And it ended on a bit of a sour, not, yeah, a bit of a sour note. It was quite, I was quite emotional. We were recording a podcast when the news was announced and we sort of did live reaction and captured our faces when, when we found out. He, he had a good five years with us, just just year on year improvement in the league. Literally, like we progressed up, up the league and ended up finishing um, sort of seventh or eighth, I think was our highest league position. But there was that year on year improvement, what he was trying to do, um, bringing players through and everything was, was, was really good. But yeah, he just sort of ran out of, of steam and ideas, I think. And I think a change was needed. And we all expected we all expected Chris Hewton, Um, But that never materialised for one reason or another. And there was a lot of people quite surprised when it, when it came through. And Dean Holden had got the job, to be honest. But 
he yeah. he is uh he's a fantastic guy he really is he, you can tell that he's a no nonsense man he's got two really experienced assistant managers um or assistant coaches alongside him Keith Bannon and Paul Simpson who are both you know England under 19s and uh, England under 17s I think they were um so they've come with a lot of pedigree and a lot of ideas we're playing attacking free flowing forward thinking high press football and it's it's a it's a a welcome step change from from the the last few seasons where we were sort of nicking a win here and there and going on the defensive when we go one nil up and lining up as a team to face the opposition rather than going out and playing our game and not worrying about what we're facing almost which seems to be working really well at the moment so i'm 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 although we were surprised and not massively excited about Dean Holden's appointment and that everyone would say the same I'm sure what you can't argue with it at the moment he's he's doing a great job and and long may that continue so as I said I've said a few times on podcasts and radio and things he's got nothing to lose you know people didn't expect him to get the job so he's got a 12-month contract to just go out and and do do his best you know if 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 he if he doesn't then you know, there's that level of expectation that Chris Hewton would have brought. There's no, the, the expectation wasn't, is nowhere near with, with Dean Holden. And I think if you look at this, the, the betting at the start of the season, we were like uh, 17th favourite to win the league, for example. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's definitely an interesting time. And the fact that there's no fans there, it almost enables them to focus on their game and not be influenced by the fans, which it seems to be working all right for us at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, it relieves a lot of pressure on on Dean Holden, doesn't it? Because he's not got the fans breathing down his neck constantly at every match. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, and at the moment they wouldn't be. There'd be you know the songs would be coming out about Dean Holden and everything. But yeah, it it just it's almost like takes one element out of the game. And I think it's a bit of a science experiment almost at the moment. Look at all the look at these results in the Premier League. You know, Aston Villa beat beating. Liverpool by was it seven two or whatever it was seven two yeah and Leicester beating Man City at Man City I think that was it's take one taking one element out has changed the game it's changed the game and any anything could happen anything could happen this season in terms of uh, who will win the league who will win the the championship and it might just it might just work out all right for us who knows. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just talk a little bit more about this season then in the future. It's the international break as we're recording this, so no weekend Bristol City games for us to talk about this time, but it's been a really good start to the league season so far, hasn't it, Patch? You find yourselves top of the pile up to four wins out of four. Did you expect that? I have to be honest and say no. It's been an absolutely fantastic start. Our squad is unbelievable at the moment. And, you know, it's... Lee Johnson built up a squad and, and Dean Holden <laughs> uh, has come in, added a few uh, really great experienced players to the team in Chris Martin up front from Derby, who who is an absolute revelation. Um, Chris Brunt, who hasn't hit, hasn't hit the ground running due to fitness, but is it his, him in the dressing room and the way he will be a big thing for us in, the, in, in this season, I'm sure. 
um, and Alfie Mawson at the back, who you know was a twenty million pound player uh, last season. So we've got some great signings added to our already great squad, and we've got people like Liam Walsh, who was player of the season in in League One last year. So we've to come back in. We've got Joe Morrell, who is a starter regularly for Wales, who you you can't get in the team. Um, several players to come back in. Joe Williams from that we bought from Wigan, who we haven't even seen yet, who is going to be fantastic, I'm sure. So yeah, a really really good squad, really exciting. Um, our player of the season, the last two seasons, Fomara Jiju, um, who started up front for Senegal last night. He, he's 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 not getting in the team because you've got Martin and Wells doing so well up, up top. You've got Antoine Semenyo, who is a, a, a product of the youth system to come through as well. And, and he's come on and, and, and started in some of the Carabao Cup games. And he's, he's looking like a real prospect this season as well. So we are really spoiled. We've got two, two, two young centre-backs playing alongside Alfie Mawson, Taylor Moore and Zach Viner. Both sort of products of the system, more so Zach Viner. I think Taylor Moore came from came from France, a French team. Uh, Lons, I think, but that was a few years ago, and he's been with us sort of four years and um, has been off on loan. He joked to about hundred odd clubs, but actually not that many. <laughs> but him and Viner, alongside Mawson, uh, have been an absolute absolute rock so far this season. Dan Bentley was a man possessed. Uh, in the last game, I don't know if you saw any of his saves, but three, at least one or two world-class saves. Um, he's got Max O'Leary breathing down his neck as a as a number two, who's who's a great goalkeeper, again young. So it's looking really good. We've got a great balance of old heads and young heads, which is always good because they're going to sort of rub off on each other. So I'm really excited, and it's it's just sort of teed up really well. We've got also. Another person whose birthday is today, Tyreek Bakinson, or Backinson, as, as we, we now know. <laughs> He's 22, and he no one expected him to, to be in the team, the first team, at this point in the season, this season. But he got an opportunity, and he he's basically what we've been missing for so many years. Someone who sits just in front of the front three, and just behind the sort of two attacking midfielders that we've got, Patterson and Weinman. And he just marshals and plays the simple passes. And we've just really, really missed that. So it, it's looking so good. It's it's very exciting. Some people would say that the international break has come at a bad time, but I don't think it has. I think we've played so many games in quick succession and we were just starting to look a little bit leggy in some areas in the last, in the last game up at Forest. So... I think the international break has come at the right time for us. So it's one of those things that we'll get back next week, next Saturday up at Barnsley and just carry on where we left off. So how long do you think it'll be maintained and what is the realistic goal, do you reckon, for the season for Robins fans? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I, I, I don't know what the expectation is, to be honest. Um, everyone's probably different, but the the expectation has to be playoffs minimum playoffs because as i said we've got we've got the ground we've got the training ground we've got the, the fan base to get up into the premier league it's something that god i hope we are, if we do get up into the premier league we're able to actually go to the games because that would be horrendous wouldn't it getting up to the premier league first time <laughs> ever and not being able to go to any games but uh, a, a long time off but uh, my expectation of from what i've seen so far and the league that this season the fact that 
the championship is so competitive. Anyone can beat anyone. Um, it's really a competitive league. And with the likes of sort of Leeds out of the way, who were sort of head and shoulders above everyone else, with the, and West Brom and teams like that, or head and shoulders above everyone else. It really is anyone's season this season, and why not? Why not ours? Why not ours with, with the with the squad that we've got, the competition for places, the harmony in the club. It's all just looking so positive. But speak to me again in six months, and uh, <laughs> we'll see where see where we are. Um, but you know, as I said, Dean Holden's got nothing to lose. Um, yeah. He just play play his own game, keep learning from his two wingmen. And uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? We could even be in the top two this season. Uh, I'd take I'd take our position now, if that's all right. <laughs> so um, if you had to give me a definitive answer on where you think Bristol City would finish this season, what would you say? Third. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I think we're just, we might just miss out on the top two. You know, I've seen, I, I've seen six or seven games this season. And if we can continue playing um, at, any sort of level near near we've been playing, then then playoffs has got to be achievable. But what we what we what we do struggle with, and sort of go on the going on the experience with Lee Johnson and not Dean Holden because he hasn't really you know, had a full season. We do struggle in that final sort of 30 percent of the of the season. So the, the last yeah. sort of like ten games, we just always seem to drift, and that's going to be Dean Holden's challenge is is, is picking us up. You know when we we will lose at some point is how how he reacts. Does he tinker the team? Does he tinker the formation? How does he keep the squad happy as well as the starting eleven? And and that last sort of ten games, how does he keep that momentum going and keep it going all the way to the end of the season? Because the mentality has has not been quite right the last sort of five years at least, where we where we struggle to keep going. You know it's like. Job's done. One foot on the beach. That's the sort of mentality we've we've almost had, and it's 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 hit us hard. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. But uh, yeah, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and go for third. Third. So what we might do then is later on in the season we might check back in with you and just <laughs> just to see how that prediction's going. Yeah. Well, I might I might be uh, I might be busy potentially, but uh, hopefully I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah depending on what i'm saying so anyway best of luck um for the season just before we go um you obviously we've mentioned it a few times you host your own podcast don't you tell us a little bit about that so yeah um it's called three peeps in a podcast uh three the number space p-e-a-p-s in a podcast and it was started about five and a half years ago not bristol city related at the time um it was just three mates we were we used to work together um back in the sort of early 2000s and we would always go out to lunch together and people often said us called us like the three peas in a pod that's where (laughs) the name came from and it started out just the three of us chatting um around a table about whatever was relevant we've got segments we've got things like the room of doom which is basically room 101 where we all put something forward that, that annoys us then it sort of developed into right let's get some guests on now so we started to get in sort of local celebrities on. We've had a few sort of ex Bristol City players as well as yeah. us, uh, people like Justin Lee Collins, who's from Bristol, Dean Edwards, a TV chef, Joe Sims, a Bristol Bristol actor, Alex Beresford from Good Morning Britain. All these sort of famous Bristolians yeah. that, that we've that we've had on the podcast, and I, I think 
we're you know the list goes on um we had jeff selling on a few a few uh months ago that was uh a really uh, although he's got nothing to do with bristol obviously i the opportunity arose and so we took it oh yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, it, it really has grown but we also in earlier this season sorry earlier this year added a bonus show which which is all about bristol city it's post-match reaction to um to the to the city games so it's myself um and matt withers who writes for the bristol evening post where must him him and I, and then it will be a third person as well, whether a fan or um, you know an ex-player or something, where yeah. we will just do our immediate sort of download of what we thought of the game, run through sort of what, what we thought what we thought about the starting lineup, uh, what the the key moments in the game, player ratings, and then whatever whatever the news that week was about Bristol City. And that's gone really well. And we've, so we've got two shows really running at the moment, the bonus show and the regular show. And some, some listeners have transitioned from one to the other and vice versa. So, yeah, it's really exciting times. And, and I absolutely love doing it, to be honest. I don't know about how, how long your podcast is going, but it's something that for the past five years we've done. And it's opened doors for us. It, we've gone to places we, we, we wouldn't have gone to, really, and spoke to people we wouldn't necessarily have spoken to. Who do you support, by the way? Grimsby Town. Ah, Mr. Holloway. He's an interesting story in himself. He he actually lived on the same street as me. Yeah, in the sort of the nineties, and um, obviously being heavily associated with Bristol Rovers. <laughs> a bit of a strange one. He was someone who, would, whenever whenever he would come down Ashton Gate with the away team that he was managing at the time, it was an absolute barrage in that he got. Um, but he dealt with it so well. And by the end, by towards the end of his sort of managerial career with teams that were coming to play us, it was almost it was almost turning to cheers, to be honest, because he became such a high profile Bristolian that I think quite a lot of people really grew to love him. And uh, I said love's a bit extreme, but like <laughs> <laughs> like him. Um, and I, I, I remember the last time he came down, he was actually clapped off by people rather than booed off. Well, that's good. Yeah, and and I, I actually thought that there was a chance that he may be our manager one day. It was it was almost at that level, and there's probably people listening who are Bristol City fans here, and I'm talking absolute tripe, but because <laughs> he is such a such a Bristol Rovers person, it would never happen. But I just thought yeah. there was an outside chance at one, at one point. But uh, yeah, no, I um <clears throat> I'd love to get him on the podcast actually and talk to him about his time in living in Bristol and. And all of that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, let's yeah, not be a good one. Let's not write that off. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Patch, and good luck um, to Bristol City for the rest of the season. Brilliant, enjoyed it. Take care. So earlier on in the episode, we heard from Toby Osborne, the chief commentator at Robins TV. So let's join me again and hear about his thoughts on the current manager, Dean Holden. Dean Holden has become the kind of man manager um, that you almost need, I think, with the modern day footballer. Um, a lot of those footballers, I feel, these days need an arm around the shoulder and it's about adapting the way you coach certain players. Um, and I think maybe Lee Johnson had a slightly sterner, more distant uh, approach with the players, more into the kind of tactical side of the game. And I think that's where Dean Holden has changed things, the mentality and the culture around the club significantly because everybody's playing with a smile on their face. But through that, we've obviously got all these central midfield options, but Tyreek Backinson 
who's a young lad formerly of uh, Luton, has come in and stepped up. He was on loan with Plymouth last season. He stepped up and has been magnificent since he's come in and he's kept the likes of Joe Williams out the side. He has been injured, admittedly. Um, Joe Williams, who we signed in the summer from Wigan. Joe Morell, who featured for Wales um, against England uh, last week. Um, also the likes of Liam Walsh, who was on loan at Coventry last season and um, was their player of the season. And Casey Palmer as well, who's uh, such a talented player, um, brought in from, from Chelsea, uh, but has really struggled to to nail down a spot in the side. And it's also meant that Dean Holden has changed his formation slightly to more of a 5-3-2, and we've had to move players like Nicholas Eliasson on, um, who's who's kind of suffered from from that particular formation. Uh, but yeah, really strong start to the season for Bristol City and hopefully it will continue as well. Finally, it feels as though we have cover um, in, in, in the areas that we've been weak in over the years. Uh, and I think, well, based on the opening four games, we could surprise a few people um, this season. In terms of chances created and and pass accuracy, we're... we're so so much further ahead than we were um, last season and um, the fan base were kind of growing a bit frustrated based on that but Dean Holden uh, is doing all the right things saying all the right things he recently um, I think a couple of weeks ago actually popped down to one of the biggest pubs that's kind of most popular with Bristol City fans uh, in Bedminster and spent the night three or four hours just chatting to City fans playing pool and all that sort of stuff so he's very into kind of bringing the fan base uh, as close as possible to the players, which I think is very important for a lot of Bristol City and fans in general at the moment. So hopefully City can go on, push on and keep hold of that top spot at the top of the championship. There is going to be defeats along the way, I am sure. But come the end of the season, the aim surely still has to just be trying to to get into the playoffs because um, City fans have had to wait since the 2008 campaign, 2007-2008, the last time we were were in there in the playoffs and we went to Wembley and had our hearts broken by Hull City and Dean Windass. So um, hopefully Dean Holding can be the man to lead us there this season and to the Premier League, which is where we all want to be. So yeah, that's uh, Bristol City these days and hopefully uh, the good form continues. Cheers. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you to Patch and Toby for talking to us and of course thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved in the 92 podcast and talk about your club, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the 92 podcast or email us the 92 podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you review and subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you found this episode. Next time I'll be looking at another club in the 92. See you then.